Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Strange Sound. I'm Joe, host of Strange Sound. Glad to have you with us. Once again, I say us, but it's really me. Glad to have you with me. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're listening. Keep listening. Share the show uh, with other people. Um, Tell other people about it. Uh, Leave reviews on iTunes and Google Podcasts. And oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. What am I saying? Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Uh, say nice things about us. I don't know. Say nice things about me. I'm just going to stand here and ask for compliments the entire time. How about that? That would be fascinating. Anyway, I'm glad that you're listening. I'm glad to have this <laughs> one so far one-sided conversation with whoever may be listening to this podcast. And uh, if you are, in fact, listening, I encourage you to reach out. Um, Go to anchor.fm slash strange sound and leave a one-minute voicemail. Or you can contact me uh, via Twitter at strange sound pod. You can go to my main website for my band Big Green. It's big-green.net. And there are various ways to contact me uh, through there, um, through any of our social media properties. You can find links to those on the uh, Anchor site, anchor.fm slash strange sound once again. So um, that's all that, you know, would be happy to hear from all of you and hope everyone is okay out there. I know everyone isn't okay, but I just hope everyone is Everyone listening to this is feeling okay. Um, These are rough times, as I've often said before, (laughs) and I'm cognizant of that. I know that people are, people out there are beginning to feel the impact of the discontinuation of the um, enhanced unemployment benefits uh, that are national government has seen fit to allow to expire. Um, Part of this, of course, is just bad strategy on the part of the Democrats when they were dealing with uh, Mitch McConnell and Trump and the Republicans. Um, They essentially gave them what they wanted um, in that first, the CARES Act, which is really the second... um, COVID response act that they passed and that Trump signed into law, the 3 trillion one or, or 2 trillion, I believe, was it 2 trillion or 3 trillion? Someone out there remind me. Um, they essentially gave away the store as has been chronicled in some detail elsewhere, but in essence, Um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer apparently saw fit to sign off on the 
money cannon um, that they set up for the largest corporations in the world, um, hosing them down with uh, piles of cash that were leveraged through a about a half trillion dollars um, in base capital um, with which the uh, Federal Reserve um, has been leveraging some additional, you know, probably up to $4 trillion worth of stimulus money going to the most well-shod and well-resourced corporations in the history of humankind. Lots of money going to people who already have lots of money. So uh, the Republicans got what they wanted in the CARES Act, and the Democrats, um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, um, assuring us that in the next, the next bill, um, just be patient. In the next bill, we'll get the things that we want. We'll get the uh, um, aid to the post office. We'll get uh, aid to cities and states. Um, we'll get all that stuff now that we have absolutely no political leverage. Now that we've given the Republicans exactly what they wanted um, at our at our first opportunity, and now that we've given away any advantage we possibly could have, um, any leverage that we possibly could have over over the other side in negotiating the particulars of the either bailout or stimulus package, um, they they basically gave away the story. So anyway, who do you blame? right? Do you blame the Republicans for being who they are? Yeah, I do. They're a bunch of dicks. And once again, they use this as an opportunity to hose the richest people in the country down with even additional riches um, through the money cannon that they set up. Um, That's been so well detailed by uh, folks like David Dayan over at the American Prospect um, just take a look. <laughs> He's done a lot of writing on this and, uh, it, it's pretty disgusting, but at the same time, the Democrats heads stuck in the nineties and stuck up their ass. Um, their leadership, uh, apparently saw fit to, to give away whatever leverage they had initially at a moment when they, they could have, you know, probably done quite a bit better because the Republicans needed their help in passing this massive corporate bailout that they ended up getting. Um, they would have gotten some form of it. Uh, you know, at the time, if people will remember, I think Schumer was bragging about the fact that no one named Trump would get any money out of this fund and that that was supposed to be some kind of victory that we're all supposed to rally around. What a jackass. That's not the issue. (laughs) The issue is that you basically squandered all your leverage um, for what? What did they get in return? Well, they got the PPP, um, which has a lot of that money has gone to, once again, corporations. Um, there was a massive bailout for the airline industry. There was additional money that went to um, unspecified 
defense, I think it was something like $50 billion went to or $30 billion went to um, defense, even though <laughs> last I looked, the military budget was in excess of $700 billion. Um, they still got an extra $30 billion. It was probably specifically for Boeing, but that wasn't specified at the time. I don't know. That's probably come out since, but we'll see. In any case, um, what did they get? They got the $600 enhancement to unemployment insurance that had a sunset in it. Now that had an end date baked into the legislation. The money cannon that they were hosing the richest corporations in the country, and in fact in the world, down with, um, that doesn't have a time limit on it. <laughs> There's no time limit on that. That doesn't run out. Um, the enhanced unemployment benefits run out. And that's the money that's not only going to people who need the assistance because they've lost their jobs and they've lost their health insurance coverage and and they're struggling to get through and they're they're facing the worst job market we've seen since the Great Depression. And it's dangerous to go back to work because of the COVID crisis that has so far killed in excess of 160,000 people in the United States and probably a good deal more. Um, we've seen stats just this past week about excess deaths in the United States over the previous year. And there's in, in excess of like 200,000 additional deaths than would be expected. And you have to bear in mind that people are doing a hell of a lot less travel by car so I think there are a lot less people, a lot fewer people being killed in car accidents than there ordinarily are. Um, you know, this is a fucking disaster. And, you know, we've got very little to fight with. The, the Trump administration is basically having it its own way, um, which is every which way from Friday. And, and it just seems like the Democrats are, are just sort of, at least the democratic leadership is just kind of flailing. So as I said before, there's people out there who are running out of money as we speak. And once again, I'm going to encourage everyone listening to this, anyone listening to this, if you haven't already been encouraged to do this, if you haven't already done it, Get on the phone to your representative, particularly if you're represented by a Republican. Call them up and say, we need meaningful assistance package passed in the House of Representatives, passed in the Senate, and signed by the President of the United States. And we need it now. We need to help people. We need to make sure that they get substantial assistance through the entire duration of this crisis, not just something that runs out at some arbitrary date, not something that's that's a cost-conscious bailout, okay? This is not the time to worry about the cost. This is the time 
to make sure that people have the resources they need and that, frankly, schools and municipalities and states have the resources they need to get through this crisis that has thrown millions of people out of work, that is negatively impacting um, tax revenues in states and municipalities and the federal government. But remember, the federal government is the issuer of the currency. (laughs) So it's a little different for them. In any case, I don't want to get into that into that um, discussion so much, but I encourage you, contact your representatives. Make sure that you make clear to them that you want to see some meaningful assistance provided to people who are out of work and people who are in need right now and to state, local government, to schools, um, and to the post office. Don't forget the post office, which is currently under massive attack by the Trump administration. That's really just determined. They are determined to hobble the post office by their own telling for the specific purpose of inhibiting vote by mail. This is what Trump has said. He knows that the effect of what they are doing, in other words, you know, removing mail sorting machines, something like six or seven hundred of them, and removing removing mailboxes, eliminating overtime, they're trying to hobble the postal service so that vote by mail simply cannot work. And we need to tell our representatives to push back on this. We need to hold their feet to the fire. So that's another thing you could tell them. Let me see. Let me give you a laundry list here. Oh my God, what a pain in the ass I am. There's a app that I've used to contact my representatives. Um, It's called, let's see if I can remember this. I'm going to look on my phone here. Hold on. It's a handy little thing. It's an easy way to uh, reach out. Oh, it's called Stance. And it's an easy way to record voicemail message and have it sort of automatically delivered to your uh, congressional representative's um, voicemail box, your senator's. Uh, because if you're going to call these people, you're, gonna, you're probably going to get a machine anyway, or you're going to be like hung up on the line for forever. This thing records your your voice message it gives you you know as many iterations of it as you need to get and then it sends the thing and it stays at it until the thing is delivered and you get sort of a cloud recording of it that you can you can also share on social media if you care to that sort of thing um it's very useful so i recommend that it's called stats just look for it wherever you get your apps. Anyway, and I don't mean appetizers, I mean applications. Um, what was I going to talk about today? Well, I, I hate to like spend too much time talking about the election, but, uh, in as much as we know what the, um, 
Democratic ticket looks like now, and we do know that it's going to be Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, that's going to be the Democratic ticket, for better or for worse. Um, I suppose it's probably a good idea to look at this a little bit more. Um, I can't help but have my head on this. Uh, I've been trying to sort of pry my head out of discussion of this. I mean, uh, my household television is very often tuned to MSNBC, and all week it's just been sort of slathering praise on Kamala Harris, and that's it's it's kind of nauseating the way they do it. I mean, it's, they just kind of carry it way too far. But <laughs> in any case, um, I'm less disappointed by this choice than I would have been um, by other choices, and I think that's perhaps by design. Um, I would, you know, rather it be her than a number of other people. There are others that I preferred more. Um, given the, the range of possibilities that you can expect from a Joe Biden. But uh, it is what it is, right? Um, I'm not one of those, uh, and again, I am I think I've said before on the podcast, I'm in my 60s, early 60s. Um, I'm a leftist, right? Been a leftist all my life. Um, I'm not a member of DSA. Uh, I probably should be but i'm i'm not i'm just not very much of a joiner um and i'm pretty much useless when it comes to organizing anyway i have a hard time convincing myself to do things let alone other people but we'll see and uh so i'm i'm an elder <laughs> i'm an elder leftist right i'm i'm a late baby boomer i wasn't of draft age during the Vietnam War. I think I've explained this in previous episodes as well. I was at the very end of that era, and by the time I reached draft age, the war was over and the draft was over. Um, and my particular age cohort fell right in between the Vietnam-era draft and the um, subsequent sort of restart of draft registration after um, the Iran hostage crisis, um, which which picked up, I think, in the late 70s or 1980. I think 1980 is when they restarted it. Um, I just missed it by a number of months. I think I've explained in previous podcasts. So I'm not really part of that generation entirely. I was I was a little too young for most of it, I do remember the 60s, but only as a child, essentially. So, <laughs> uh, I am not one of the signers of that open letter that appeared in The Nation back in April <laughs> that people have um, commented on and shared and talked about on social media um, that was signed by Todd Jitlin and a bunch of other on. Uh, old new left folks um, sort of lecturing DSA members and complaining that the DSA didn't endorse Joe Biden. Um, so I'm not one of the signatories to that letter. Neither would I be because it's silly. 
And, you know, don't misunderstand. I think it's a really good idea to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris this fall. I think that's the only thing that makes sense. Because I think we need to get rid of Donald Trump. That's my own personal opinion. But I'm not going to lecture anybody who's on the ground, you know, doing the hard work of organizing to say, you know, you, you need to publicly endorse them. Um, no, that's not what DSA is here for. <laughs> you know, DSA and the, you know, Jacobin and and the sort of on the ground leftists that are doing the hard work right now, there's no point in asking them to endorse a ticket. That's silly. I guess what I'm saying is I, I would not be one of the signatories to that letter, right? I haven't commented on it. I haven't shared it on social media. I haven't, um, I am a subscriber to the nation, but I haven't, you know, put a comment in because it's, uh, I've read the commentary on it and I've seen some stuff that sort of reflects my point of view on this and that's fine. I don't need to add my voice to it. It's silly, you know? Um, but I wanted to use that opportunity to just raise, raise one or two points about the phenomenon and the, you know, the impetus, uh, behind sort of asking people to endorse. I, I tend to agree with Sean King on this and uh, Cornell West in that, you know, Biden can have my vote, but he's not going to have, I'm not going to lie for him. I will vote for him, but I will not lie for him. I think that's how Cornell West put it. And uh, I agree with that. Um, I'm not going to lie about them. I'm not going to say Joe Biden, uh, you know, is, has had a stellar career and he's always fought for the little man. I'm not going to say that. Sean King has, has said that he's muting criticism about Biden. In other words, he's only going to criticize him twice a week. <laughs> Which I think is is very disciplined of him. And I understand the impulse. Um, I I defer to him because he's he's much better than me. <laughs> so I I would say, you know, that's that seems like a reasonable approach to me. But to refrain from criticizing, that's insane. And to endorse, I don't know what endorsement means when you're either an individual um, or or a group, but I could say that, you know, when you're encouraging a group like DSA to endorse um, a Democratic ticket that's, you know, headed up by a centrist, basically conservative anti-busing, you know, uh, corporate Democrat. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's their role. They're not going to do that, and they probably shouldn't. That said, some of the commentary I've heard about about this issue um, has, has centered on the idea of uh, the kind of long view of the um, socialist project in the United States and elsewhere, and as soon as globally, but certainly in the United States, and that electoral politics is 
kind of a um, distraction from that important work. I think that that organizing work with the long view of, you know, history, looking way ahead and, you know, working for a more egalitarian future, um, a more reasonable future, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to say, I'm not going to vote uh, because I'm working on a better future. Um, I think voting is probably the easiest thing you can do. And it's a private decision. You know, if you feel compromised by voting for a Democratic ticket, um, then just don't tell anybody about it. That's my advice. Um, and again, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying from my own perspective, as someone on the left, I, I just, it's so easy to do that. And if you don't do that, the consequences are enormous. The consequences of a Trump win, you know, for specifically for vulnerable communities in the United States are significant. So it's a question of harm reduction. And my contention would be, look, if you're, if you're working on the long-term project of socialism in America, which I think is something worth working on, um, and um, I'm glad people who are smarter than me are doing the work and people who are better organizers than me are doing the work. Um, if you're working on that project and if you want people to buy into that project, which eventually people will have to, if it's going to be a success, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you don't want to be antagonizing people as you, as you work on this better, more egalitarian, more inclusive future, right? You want to be trying to bring people along. My contention is simply that if we as socialists, um, and I include myself in this sort of broader rubric of that, um, if we as socialists um, allow a second Trump term, we're basically throwing a, a huge cohort of, uh, for example, dreamers uh, to the wolves. Those people are going to pay the price. Those are younger people. Uh, those are committed activists. They've been, they've been fighting for their rights for years. They really fought hard for their ability to live here and to prosper here. And we can't, we can't throw them under the bus and expect them to be you know, congenial to the long-term project of socialism in America. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, look, if you, if you want people to come along to support this project, even if it's a long-term project and you don't imagine that you're going to see the kind of success that, that you desire in the near term, or in the next decade, or in the next three decades. Um, <laughs> still, you want to start converting people 
at some point so that it becomes a larger mass movement. Um, this is how change happens. We need to get people on board. We can't be throwing whole populations under the bus. It seems like a small price to pay to, you know, apply your vote to harm reduction. That effort would have a significant impact on a large population of, of young people um, who are, you know, people of color, who are potential victims of this administration and will certainly pay the price if this administration is allowed to, to continue. Now, I realize that, you know, voting for Biden-Harris is, in a sense, just choosing who your enemy is going to be. You know, we're choosing who we're going to fight over the next four years. Right? On the left, we're choosing who our adversary is going to be. Do we want to be fighting Trump or do we want to be fighting Biden-Harris? Um, that's part of the question. But again, I think this harm reduction issue is, to me, it's the most important one. There isn't a big enough difference between the two sides to suit me. But there's a big enough difference for me to take the five minutes it takes for me to, to cast a ballot to make certain that they're put over the top. That doesn't mean I'm invested in the new administration. That just means in this binary choice, that is what I think is going to cause the least harm. And then the next day, we turn our attention to pushing the living hell out of that new administration and continuing the project of building a better society which is what we're all focused on. And honestly, that should be what these, uh, you know, former SDS people should be focused on as well. I mean, they're kind of doing the same. They're doing the thing that I'm saying is, is a bad idea, right? They're antagonizing people on the new left when they should be trying to, <laughs> trying to you know, build a bridge between the generation's of leftists to have a broader front, right? A broader multi-generational front in this fight. This is the fight of our lives. And I think getting rid of Trump is probably a really good idea. There's really only one way to do that. You all know it. You know that there's only one way, right? You know that a third party candidate is not going to beat Trump. It's just not going to happen. You know there's only one way to get him out, and that's to get Biden-Harris over the top. We can live with this. It doesn't mean that we're endorsing them. It doesn't mean that we're going to be part of the administration and we're going to be flacking for them after Election Day. No. We're going to be right in there. This isn't going to be like the kumbaya moment after the Obama um, team one in 2008. And I remember those days. I remember people doing the volunteer thing. I think it was a day of volunteerism. I can't remember. Was it in January? I remember going to the Tia Bowman house in, in Utica with some 
friends um, who had organized this, and I, I went along. We were, I think it was around the holidays, and we were um, stacking up cans, and they have a food pantry there. And we spent a day volunteering and feeling good about ourselves. We're not going to do that, right? We're not going to be like, oh, we're we're just going to do a day of volunteerism and then and then we're going to let the administration, you know, get its legs and not be critical of it and blah blah blah. No. We're going to hold their feet to the fire. If we need to be in the streets, we should be in the streets. And God knows no one can predict exactly what's going to happen either during this election or just following it. This is a very scary time. And we need to be ready for just about anything. We'll see. And, you know, even if Trump loses and if Trump leaves leaves office, uh, he's not going to disappear, right? He'll probably set up his own network. Um, and he'll be... He'll be, you know, lobbing bombs um, at the usual targets um, from now until doomsday. And there'll be new leadership on the right, I'm sure. So we'll be fighting them, but we'll also be pushing against a new Democratic administration, which is what the left needs to do. We need to make our voices heard. But we also need to recognize that, at least in my opinion, in my humble opinion, this is how I approach it. I'm going to give them my vote. I'm not going to give them my heart and soul. I'm just going to vote and then move on and be as critical as I need to be. And I encourage as many of you who agree with me to do the same thing. I agree with Cornell. I agree with uh, Sean King. That's what I'm going to do. I encourage you to do whatever you think makes the most sense. I'm just trying to articulate, um, and not doing a very good job of it, by the way, but trying to articulate my rationale for for doing what I plan on doing. And uh, I wanted to make sure that you knew what that was. But I think, ultimately, you know, whatever our vision of society is, whatever our preferred vision of society is. In order to get there, we're going to need to get there with other people. In order to get there, we're going to need to convince people that we have um, their best interests in mind, that we have compassion for them, um, that we care about what happens to them. That's the only way a, a truly egalitarian socialist vision can be realized is if we convince people that it's not going to be some kind of thing that's forced on them, but something that's going to be um, deployed to address their concerns, that's going to take into consideration their suffering, that's that's going to, you know, stand up for them, that they can be a part of. And, you know, we can't get to that place if if we're too concentrated on what's going to happen in the future to spend the five minutes it takes to cast a ballot to keep them from being tossed out of the country or tossed into cages. 
I think it's just a, it's a very easy investment to make. And that's the way I view it. Let me know if you agree. Let me know if you disagree. Uh, in fact, I'd be happy to hear from you in any case. That's all I've got to say about it. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Go to my uh, anchor site at anchor.fm slash strange sound. There you will find the means to leave a one-minute voicemail message, and I promise you I will listen to it. I will even play it on the air. Um, there are links to uh, the Twitter account for Strange Sound, which is at Strange Sound Pod. Um, there's also a link to our Facebook uh, page. We also have a uh, YouTube channel, which is basically just these shows with the logo slapped on it. <laughs> so uh, no special content, no unique content there quite yet, but we'll see what happens in the future. Uh, again, it's just me. So I'm just, it's just me producing this. You can sort of tell, I'm sure. Um, love to hear from you. Let's make this conversation. <laughs> Take care out there. This has been Strange Sound. I'm Joe. We'll see you next time.